You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. Hello and welcome to the Dwell on These Things podcast. I'm John Stonge, and we have a great interview lined up for you today. Now, in this era of history, we've been given greater opportunity to communicate the messages that matter most to us, more so than any group in human history. So many of you know that in my case, I'm passionate about the message of the gospel. I'm passionate about the teaching of scripture. You can see that with the content I'm producing and the the things I'm devoting my time to. I'm also passionate about helping people learn how best to communicate that message. And you know that that some of the the groups that I mentor and some of the groups that I'm working with are pastors and church planters. And over the past year in particular, a large portion of my time has been spent helping churches and individuals create online ministries through things like blogging and podcasting and webinars and even book content. So as I work with these leaders, I also find myself eager to learn from experts who are trying to do similar things. Well, several months ago, while I was listening to the Read to Lead podcast, I heard an interview with a former school teacher who has spent more than a decade helping people communicate the messages that they feel passionate about online. And as he's developed his online business, he's also helping others do the same. So recently, our guest released a a very helpful book that I'm nearly finished with. I was hoping to have it finished before today. I'm just about at, at the end of it. But his book is called Your Message Matters, How to Rise Above the Noise and Get Paid for What You Know. And in my opinion, this is one of the best books I have read on this subject. So I reached out to him and asked if he would be willing to share some of his insights with us today, and he graciously agreed. So with that said, let me welcome our guest today, Jonathan Milligan. Jonathan, welcome to Dwell on These Things. Thanks, John, for having me. I'm excited to dive in today. Uh, Well, we're excited to have you with us. And I I have to say, you know, I have a whole bunch of questions here that I think I guess are, you know, technical type questions that I'm certainly interested to get your insights on. But even before I ask them, I actually want to just start off with something that I would say is not directly related to the book in any way, but might give a a kind of a, a, a picture of, your heart and um, and your motivations. And so I'd love to know, well, first of all, you and your family are actively involved in your local church. That's been your history as a family. Uh, and I wonder, what's your favorite way to volunteer your time with your church family? Well, specifically, it is, for me, uh, an opportunity to serve as a deacon in the church. Mm-hmm. And on that, being a part of the finance committee and the the church that I'm a part of also has a Bible college training mm-hmm. young people for ministry that also has a an academy of a couple thousand people it has a rescue mission and so it's got a lot of dynamics a youth camp that runs during the summer and so just to be able to to sit in that place of helping make kind of high level decisions to help those ministries run that on top of I partner with my wife and we do a lot of the hospitality and greeting of new people when they come into our church and making those guests feel welcomed. And so those two roles, I absolutely love being able to serve in my local church. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, people sometimes 
underestimate the importance of things like hospitality and, and just the importance that it is of, of uh, just making somebody feel welcome. You know, they take, they carve out time to gather together to worship with you. And I have been guest, a, a guest in churches. I've even been the speaker in some churches where no one even welcomed me. Mm. And uh, I thought, uh, well, you know, I can see the pulpit, so I know where I'm eventually going to need to stand, but uh, you know, maybe someone <laughs> will eventually say hi. It, it would certainly be nice. So that's great. I, I just, I thought it'd be nice to start off today just by letting, um, letting our listeners know some of the ways that you've been serving in your local church, because so many of us are serving in a variety of ways, and it, it kind of helps us to get to know you a little bit just as an individual, even outside of your area of expertise here. Now, if ever there was a year when building or when the value of building an online ministry or an online business was made apparent, this is the year. This, this is the year. It's almost like, Jonathan, you were designed to shine this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what has this year been like for you, and what opportunities have you seen the Lord open up where your expertise was able to help people throughout this, this past year? It's been an incredible year. I think there was a lot of unknowns going into it. And uh, even in the very beginning, I started thinking, well, I think I'll be okay. I have a 100% online business. Mm-hmm. It's the where my business runs and functions. So I don't have to have in-person, um, you know, component of my, of my business. And, but I was still a little bit unsure. And then as things gone along, I, I started realizing, wow, like this is, there's this value that's there. And then, it's just increased, you know, the more people are getting comfortable with online and doing things virtually, I think it's created more of a desire than ever before. And so what's been awesome for me is, uh, you know, for one, I was able to advise or give insight to my local church in different opportunities of, we had to go 100% virtual online. And now there was some, a lot of smart people Thankfully, it wasn't just me who understood online, but um, there was real challenges there for a lot of churches on oh, yeah. how are we going to do this and how are we going to allow the, the ministry to keep going and how is the giving going to take place? So there's, there's that component. But more than just that, it's been how God has brought people into my world who I primarily am just teaching people how to take a message and get noticed and get heard online. And then if you want to earn money through that message, we talk about that too. And, uh, but God has brought along, you know, pastors who want to write books, pastors who want to, um, one particular pastor had created this, um, I guess, gifting spiritual gifts type assessment mm-hmm. that he wanted to get out there for other churches and train other churches on using it. And to be able to create a course around that and and get the word out. There's just been so many examples of how I have not tried to target the Christian community in what I do. Right. But I don't hide that I'm a Christian either. But Mm -hmm. then God has just brought opportunity after opportunity for me to partner with people who are doing great things Mm -hmm. for the, the Christian community. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, like, even as you're saying that, I I love the fact that you're helping and you're serving people regardless of your background, because it's kind of like this area where the Lord's placed you as his ambassador, and you have the opportunity to show the heart of Christ just through your generosity and through your, your service, and, and uh you know, again, this was really a year where that was needed. I mean, I remember um, in, in, you know, March of 2020, with the churches that I work with, there was a sense of panic. You know, people were really panicked and we had, 
we had uh, one training session that was open to anybody. And I was curious how many people would jump on board. You know, I hope we have at least 50 or 100. We had 1,200 churches jump on board. And it was, it was like panic as uh, everybody did it. And then we had to have a follow-up the next day to try and, you know, help people. And so I, there's great value in what you're doing. And I, I really appreciate your heart and your willingness to help people in the midst of this, because this was a year where there was certainly a need and it's probably a good time for your book to come out too. I would, I would assume, right. It has been, you know, because in the midst of all that people's careers, their, their day to day, Monday through Friday have changed. And uh, you know, a lot of times there are, polling factors of why we want to feel like God's got another career for us. And then there's pushing factors where, you know, our job situation changes, all of a sudden things aren't the same. And what was unique about this last year is there were both polling and pushing factors. Mm -hmm. And whenever that happens, there's a lot of displacement. And I think what's create that's created is a desire for people to evaluate where they are and be like, what is it that I really want to do? What is God placing on my heart to do? Is that to write a book? Is that to start a podcast, a blog? Is that to build an audience around this experience or story that I have? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where um, we've had a lot of great interest in that. That's fantastic. So now years ago, you, you worked as a school teacher and uh, you, you were even telling me, you know, that that's kind of been part of uh, almost the DNA of your, your extended family, right? You know, just teaching and, and uh, serving in that capacity. But you started to sense that you were being pulled in a different direction. And I'd, uh, I'd love, even in the context of what we were just talking about, I'd love for you to, to tell us about that change and what prompted it. So early on, graduated from college, both my parents were educators. My dad was, you know, wore multiple hats, like many people do in, in small churches and communities where he was a high school teacher, basketball coach, and the youth pastor. My mom was always an elementary teacher. So I grew up around this idea of education, coaching. Um, I'm the oldest of three boys, and mm -hmm. I have brothers in the ministry as well. And so I was wrestling with do I go into the ministry? But there just was not a piece about it. So I ended up taking a uh, high school teaching position. I did that for three years and I had a good relationship with the students. It was nothing to do with that. I felt like I was making a difference, but there was just some kind of unsettled desire mm. in me. And what was I was struggling with is, am I selfish to go try to pursue something else? Mm -hmm. Is that being selfish? And I think this is an this is an, an important journey I went on. Also, being a Christian who wants their life to count for Christ and wants to make a difference with the time that you have here on Earth, mm -hmm. was this concept of is there a calling outside of Christian ministry, and can I truly be called into something and feel that God's still for me? even though I don't feel a hundred percent called into ministry. And there was two women in my life that were hugely influential. One's my mom and one's my wife. Mm -hmm. And my mom told me, uh, Jonathan, not everybody can stand in the pulpit or there'd be no congregation. Right. Like, okay. That's a good point. And then the second one was my wife saying, Jonathan, listen, it's about serving people. It doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. Mm-hmm you know, you're going to be involved in church, you're going to be serving. And so um, 
you, I could see you being in and out of ministry and God can have that upon your life. There is no perfect path. There's no stepping stone to one thing to the next. You just need to be open about what God's leading in front of you. And so through that, I went on a journey and I talk about in the book where mm-hmm. I just trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to figure things out. But ultimately God led me to this idea of blogging and sharing information online mm-hmm. and create allowing me to create an audience and a platform. And then that led to podcasting that led to publishing books that led to webinars that led to trainings and courses and live events. And it's just been an amazing journey when I look at it, because I could have never guessed that that's where I would have ended up. It was God leading me just one little step at a time, just being obedient to the next step. Yeah. You didn't have to know all the details ahead of time. You're just saying, all right, Lord, I'm just going to walk with you today. It's kind of like the same concept of Lord, I trust you for my daily bread. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about next week's loaf. You know, it's just like, here, here we are today. This is what you have for me today. And I'm going to be faithful with what you put in front of me. And I would assume too, with the, the open doors that the Lord was making very obvious to you. Yep. That's it. You got it. So at present, I'm working with a group of bivocational pastors and bivocational church planters. And so uh, obviously for them to feed their families while planting churches, they need to have more than one source of income, very much like the Apostle Paul. You know, his his story was as he was as he was uh, going about and planting churches, he would make tents and and he was very entrepreneurial in that regard. Well, modern day church planters have to be very entrepreneurial as well. So why do you encourage people to develop more than one income stream? So I love this idea of the online business because it can be started on the side. I mean, for a bivocational pastor, this is great because um, literally while you're visiting somebody in the hospital, while you're dealing with a crisis in marriage, if you've packaged your knowledge into an online course and someone purchases that, that provides income for you. It allows you to be separated away from trading time for dollars. Mm -hmm. And it also is making the impact on the people who are watching your course on using whatever knowledge you have to be helpful to other people. The multiple streams of income that I talk about in the book are that you could take a singular message and create different forms of income. And what that does is it allows you not to have to rely on any one thing. So back in 2016, I wrote a self-published book. And then I turned that book, it was originally just a Kindle book. Then Mm -hmm. I made it a physical book. Then I recorded the audio book. So now I had three income streams off of that. Surprisingly, the audio book sold the best. That was a surprise to me. Hmm. Still sells today. So I'm glad I went all the way through and actually did the audio book. The audio. Oh, yeah. Um, but then beyond that, I created a course for people to be able to go deeper. So they read the book. Here's the course. So the book teaches what? The course teaches the how. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I believe I also uh, put together a, um, a coaching opportunity if somebody wanted to get some one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. And then all said and done, and I, I shared the exact framework and timeline in the book, but within 12 months, I had created seven income streams mm. around one message. And now with the new book, I'm using the same formula. Started mm. with the book, 
I have a live event called Your Message Matters Live coming up in June. Mm -hmm. And it's just another part of taking a singular message and creating multiple income streams. That's very wise. And I, I like what you said there too. So often we think of income only coming from things that we trade our time for constantly. You know, most people are trained to think that there's only one way you can make an income. And uh, it's, it's just through a job where you trade time for dollars. I actually, um, a few years ago when my kids were, were a bit younger, I asked them, I, I, I said, you know, how, how does somebody make money? You know, like how does somebody earn money? And they said, well, you have to get a job. And I, I said, well, you, I'll be honest with you. That's usually the slowest way. <laughs> and, they, and, and that's usually where you would make the least money. And they were like, dad, that doesn't make sense. You have to have a job to make money. I was like, no, you don't. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And then we kind of had entrepreneurial discussions and then that led to different things that they did. And I'll tell you what, you know, they listened and every one of them, they paid for their own car. They pay for their own insurance. They, you know, they have investments that they've been working on. They understood the concept of stewardship. And so it's been exciting to watch that develop, but we still joke about that initial conversation where I asked them, how does someone earn money? And they're like, well, a job. It's like, yeah, that's one way. But let me tell you about some other ways that you might want to consider that don't involve you having to trade time for dollars. So, yeah, I, I, I like that you do that uh, and that you emphasize that because, I mean, that's immensely helpful, particularly with the the groups of, of church leaders that I'm working with. They don't have any more time. You know, they don't I mean, if they're going to if they're going to be able to provide for their family and plant churches, I mean, how are they going to do it? They they need to figure out something they can do that doesn't keep requiring more time because they just don't have it. Uh, so, yeah, I like your framework. So I mentioned to Jonathan before we started recording here that I thought it might be fun uh, to do a case study here because Jonathan does a lot of business coaching. And so, Jonathan, I wonder if you'd give our listeners a taste of what it looks like by using my online ministry as a case study. And I asked Jonathan ahead of time, I said, do you want to know any details about what I'm doing ahead of time? Or do you just want to go cold? And so he's brave. And he said, I just want to go cold. I, I don't want to know the details ahead of time. So he's going to walk me through a brief process here of what he would do if he was coaching somebody who felt like they had a message that they wanted to share. And they want to develop that into something that, that can be magnified online and maybe even turn it into something that can provide for their family. So walk me through the, the initial stages of this process or what you think you would ask. Perfect. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to do this cold is so that it could just really come across very um, non-staged. Right. <laughs> where we've, we, I have no idea where we're going with this. Okay. But, um, my, my first question that I, I typically like to ask is, where do you feel is the biggest challenge or bottleneck for you right now? The biggest, as far as building what I'm building online, yes. the biggest challenge or bottleneck that's just kind of holding everything up. The, so the, the bottleneck for me has been developing some of the live training that I've been doing into courses that can stick around. And I've, and I have felt um, like I didn't have the time or the desire. I like audio editing, but I don't like video editing. And, um, and so I am teaching these things all the time and some of them get recorded and I have a whole bunch of things that just exist on my computer. And I, I think, boy, this would be something that would be helpful to somebody if I, if I was able to package it into a course. And so I would say that's been the bottleneck. I'm trying to remedy it, but I'm very early in that process. So do you see this as a course that um, has kind of a specific 
topic behind it, like a specific thing that people would get access to? Or is this more, would this be more of a library of different content and topics that people would get? Uh, the So it's kind of broken up into three categories in my mind. Uh, the first category is trying to help people develop an online ministry and what it looks like to maybe even provide for your family through the online ministry that you're developing. So that's the main arm that I've been working on. The second aspect is church leadership training, uh, because I do a lot of coaching and, and things like that with church leaders. And then the third aspect of it that I'll develop over time would be Bible study content. And um, But the, the main aspect that I'm trying to really get underway right now is trying to help people develop an online ministry. So that would be, that's where my mind is focused right now. Okay. So out of those, do you, is, how many different audience segments are there? Is, is it just one or are there three? Because it sounded like there was potentially three, but yet you desire to have one. There, there could potentially be three, but I think one and two sometimes blend a little bit. So the, the people that are starting online ministries and the people that are currently leading physical in-face ministries sometimes overlap. On the trainings, how much uh, editing do you think are involved with each of them? I mean, is there a lot of like editing in between these videos or is it more kind of cleaning up the front and the back, trimming it up? What, what in your mind, if you just look at it broadly, what is it that needs to be done with these videos in order for them to be ready to, to sell? What I, what I um, feel like is kind of the bottleneck there is I'll, I'll record these lengthy training workshops that I think would be best delivered if they could be smaller individual lessons as opposed mm -hmm. to something big. So there is the cleanup of the video at the start and at the end, but really carving it up into logical segments that, that people could kind of go at, at their own pace without having to stop a large file or a large video in, uh, yeah. you know, partway through. And that's super smart. Have you, have you thought about setting it up and maybe you already have, but have you thought about setting it up to where when you're doing the live training, you let them know, Hey, this is probably going to be divided up into smaller lesson videos. And so actually planning for that during your training. So for example, you know, you say, all right, let's start this next one. Okay. This is lesson one. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about da, da 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 and we're going to get into this topic and do the, the teaching and training. Have you thought about maybe strategically setting it up that way, or do you already have it like that? So I have uh, one training event that I do have online that's available. And I, when I recorded it, I did not think to do what you just suggested. And then after I edited it, I, I thought, oh, I should totally have presented this in segments knowing ahead of time I was going to chop it up. So it's my intention to, to use the recommendation you just gave for future courses, but I didn't do that with the previous content. I think gotcha. it still works the way it got chopped up, but it would have been nice. I think if I had thought of that ahead of time. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because I I've done the both ways and I've learned the lesson. And so I do, and I just wrapped up doing a six-week training where every week I would deliver a new module, and then I would tell them, hey, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to pause for a few seconds. Then I'm going to say, okay, welcome to lesson one, and then teach it. And then I pause, 
And then the advantages of those live is then I say, okay, what questions did you guys have about that lesson? And then I answer some questions and then I'm like, okay, now let's jump into lesson two. And then I pause I like and do that. that again. And then what I do is I actually use, and I can give this to you offline, um, a service that is, uh, does unlimited video editing. They only work on one video at a time, but okay. I basically send them the instructions and say this video Here's what it is. It needs to be chopped up into these five videos. And usually within 24 to 48 hours, I've got the five videos and then someone on my team can upload it into our course platform where we can then sell them. That's, that's fantastic. And it's cool to know that there are options like that out there. I think sometimes when you're trying to build things, you get used to doing so much by yourself yes. and you realize, and this is a lesson I'm really learning sometimes the hard way. You have to have a team. You know, if you really want something to multiply, you got to have a team. Yeah. And this is a hard lesson for me too, because I'm a learner. So I love like learning all this stuff and I can do it. I don't feel like I'm too good to go edit my own videos or podcast. Right. right. But here was the, the clincher for me. Was somebody said a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, Jonathan, how much is your, uh, you know, how much is an hour of your time worth? And at the time I said, I don't know, a hundred bucks. Hmm. And they said, okay would you pay somebody to edit your or create a blog post image and you takes you 30 minutes to do it? Would you pay someone to create, you know, a hundred dollars to create two blog post images? I said, no. He said, well, you're already doing that now. <laughs> Good point. Uh, got the point. So yeah. th the point is, you know, it, do you want to pay somebody a hundred dollars an hour to edit your videos? If the answer is no, you're already doing it. So therefore you need to be focused on your high leverage activities, mm -hmm. interviewing people, creating content. So for me, there's three things I focus on casting vision. Number two, creating content and number three, delivering content. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn everything else I need to get rid of and have somebody on my team do that for me. And they need to call me out when I'm not focused on those three things. Right. So if that helps you, uh, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's good counsel. And, and that's really been the area I've been trying to focus on more. And I've, it feels like a missing piece of what we're trying to offer. And, uh, you know, when you see people that are doing it well, like yourself, it's, it's very useful to get information like that. So I appreciate that. Um, so over the past few months, uh, over the past month in particular, I think it was maybe about six weeks ago or so when I bought your book, uh, I've been enjoying it. Your book's called Your Message Matters. And I've been trying to follow up by listening to your podcast as well. And, uh, and also I know that you have some videos online and, and different things that you're sharing. So you're kind of like a content creating machine, you know, you're, you're creating a lot of content. Uh, you also have a website, marketyourmessage.com. And, uh, what do you wish people knew about, or what do you wish you knew about marketing a business before you got started in online business? That's a great question. <clears throat> so I would say, what I wish I would have known is it's probably going to take longer than I want it to take, mm -hmm. but that consistency of showing up is the most important thing. Sometimes this is the most difficult thing because it's like we're writing blog posts and we're not getting responses. We're recording podcast episodes and we don't get ratings. We're doing the things and we're not getting the feedback and we 
think we're wasting our time. But it's the consistency that births momentum. And if you want momentum in your business, it, it, you could trace it back to being consistent. And one of the stories I tell in the book that I absolutely love is um, the the story of Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. We all know him from the Christmas Carol, but when he was relatively unknown, he wrote for the Sunday Evening Chronicle there in London for over a year with no pay. And then somehow a publisher saw his work on the paper one Sunday and said, hey, would you be willing to compile all of this into a book? Well, that became the Pickwick Papers mm. that went on at the time to be in the 1830s or 40s. This is the best-selling book of all time, 350,000 copies. And where did that come from? It came from Charles Dickens writing every Sunday mm. for no pay for a year. And so the thing that I wish I would have really grabbed a hold on, I eventually understood it, but it took a while, is that consistency is what births momentum. If you want momentum in your thing, whatever it is, it's got to come through consistency. Nice. And that's a great example of it too. You know, a very memorable example of what it looks like if we're actually going to be consistent in what we're doing. I always tell people you got to be patient and persistent. You know, and that's, I'm hearing a similar thought in, in, in what you're, you're sharing there. You know, stay consistent. If you want momentum, you have to stay consistent with what you're doing. Great counsel. So if, if one of our listeners today is starting to think about taking the risk to, to either start an online ministry or an online business, but the idea feels intimidating to them, if they're fearful of doing it, what counsel would you give them? So this is exactly why I wrote the book. And the book surprises a lot of people, I think, because um, it's not just a marketing book. Mm-hmm. The first half of the book is more about self-development, inspiration mm-hmm. for the creator, the, the person who's creating, because uh, the truth is you have to be thinking right for you to get to a place where you can actually utilize the marketing. There's lots of marketing tools and ideas in the second half of the book, but we got to get you thinking correctly. And this was a huge aha moment for me. The more that I started understanding the challenges of my audience, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't like, uh, Jonathan, I don't think your product works or your course works, or I don't know. I don't think that your coaching is good. It was, they didn't believe they could do it. Hmm. And, you know, some of the biggest challenges for people are technology challenges. It's the, um, the fear of not being good enough. Mm-hmm. all of those things. And so I wanted to tackle this in the, in the first part of the book and the way that I tackle it, even though the book is not purely for a Christian audience, mm-hmm. I try to incorporate a lot of what I believe scriptural principles in the book. Right. And the way that I like to approach it to sum it up is this idea of stewarding the God, the gifts God gave us. It's just like the parable of the talents mm-hmm. and we need to be, stewarding what God gave us. And my wife wrote this on a, she's very crafty. She wrote this on like a a plaque that I hang um, on one of my walls in the house. And it was a real simple phrase, but it has grounded me. And that was simply, it says, steward your gifts, trust God for the results. Mm -hmm. 
And what that did for me is say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be the, a comedian. I'm not going to be a dynamic speaker. You could probably tell I'm a, I'm a pretty laid back guy. It's probably pretty believable that I was a high school teacher because I'm just <laughs> pretty uh, average. There's nothing special about me. But what I discovered over time is that my uniqueness was to be practical, mm-hmm. to uh, be resourceful, and that's what I need to steward. And so the, the short answer to that is that you just need to discover your gift and then steward that gift. That's your responsibility and trust God for the rest. Excellent counsel. And, and I have to tell you, you know, even as you said that you, you wrote the book to be practical, I think that's why I like the book so much and, and why I wanted to have you on the show here. I noticed that, you know, a lot of times when I'll, I'll read different things, sometimes I'm like, just kind of like, just get to it already. Like, just get to it. You know, I'm, I, I don't have all the time in, in the world for you to just finally just teach me the thing that I, I, I read the book or bought the book so that I could uh, learn. Right. So, yeah, as I'm reading it, I, I, you know, it's it's got color to it. You know, I mean, you use story, you use illustration and uh, but you give real meat on how to actually communicate a message and maybe even use this as something that that could become either a secondary source of income to supplement your income or basically become a, a full-fledged online business or full-fledged online ministry that becomes your primary source of, of, of providing for your family. And so uh, I, I took a lot of inspiration from it. I think it's a very practical and very useful book. I hope my listeners will, will check it out and, and be sure to grab a copy. Um, one of the things, too, that I, I really like, and this is kind of the, the, the last main question that I'm going to uh, just kind of throw your way here, although I have a couple fun questions we'll finish up with in just a second. But yeah. in some of your teaching, you speak about the ways that freedom and flexibility uh, that, that you have as someone who runs an online business, how it actually blesses your family. And I wonder if you could maybe even just finish us off today by telling us a little bit more about that and how, how what you're doing has just been helpful to you as a husband, helpful to you as a father, and how it's blessed your family, just maybe even through your availability to them. I love this question. And it was my primary motivation is that I didn't want to miss out on the important moments. And, you know, I have a daughter now who is in college. She attends Liberty University mm-hmm. and my son is 16. He's already started his own business in uh, video game design. He's already oh, wow. getting okay. ready to, to publish his first video game and he's got everything going. And it's like, you know, I can see a couple of years from now, him getting his own apartment and mm-hmm. man, these kids, they grow up so fast. Yeah. And you know, it was just when I started my business over 11 years ago, they were so much younger and it seemed like we had so much time. But at the same time, I wanted to have a business that allowed me to go to my son's basketball games, to go mm-hmm. to all of my daughter's volleyball games. And that was important to me. Mm-hmm. So for me, money doesn't buy things. There's nothing wrong with having things, but that wasn't a motivation for me. Yeah. Money buys time. Mm-hmm. And it's that time of getting to choose how I want to use this time mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. In fact, it's, it's almost like being able to open myself up and say, God, what would you like me to do? I am available because you, um, you dictate what I need to be doing. 
Do I need to go meet with somebody who's going through a hard time for lunch and have an hour and a half conversation? Well, that's, if that's what you want me to do, I want to be available for that. Do I want to meet up with a pastor at the church and, and spend some time with them? So all of those reasons, um, for me, money buys time. It, it, the things don't make as much of a, a big deal for me. It's, it's about being available and doing the things with the people that I want to do them with. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, it's great that you're able to bless both of your both your family and your local church with your availability as you build out what you've been building online. And you know, and the the other side benefit is that what you've built is helping people like me and many others that are finding great benefit in the content and the instruction that you're building. So, it kind of magnifies the impact that you're able to have. But yet, you don't have to travel the world to do it. You're doing it yes. from home, and uh, that's exciting. So, all right. As we finish up here, um, these questions have no consequence. All right. So your, your answer to this could be just whatever you want. So I'm just curious. Let's get our, give our listeners an opportunity to just get to know one more dimension of Jonathan Milligan. But all right. So first question is this. There's going to be three of these. All right. What three luxury items would you bring with you if you were stranded on an island for a month? Three luxury items. Um... Yeah. So I, I said luxury because I don't want you to say, well, obviously an implement to make fire and then a water purifier. <laughs> no, that's too boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though it would only last for a while, I would still do it. That would be my uh, Kindle book. So okay. I mean, Kindle so that I can right. do some readings. I'm an avid reader. The Kindle lasts a long time, though. You know, it you can. can make it maybe that month without a charge. It just depends. Is a luxury item my wife because I wouldn't want to be alone. So. <laughs> okay. I guess uh, that would be one. And what would be the third one? That's a good question because there's no internet. So that's no, all. there's no internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coffee, some, something to snack on. Beef probably, jerky. Probably coffee, although I kind of cheated. You kind of set me up for that one. Um, <laughs> I got to have my morning coffee. So okay. honestly, if I have my wife with me, I have coffee and I have a Kindle, uh, a Kindle so I can read. You're good I'm to- good. I'm yeah. happy. All right. All right. That's a good answer. All right. All right. Second question is this, and this kind of even relates a little bit to, to something you just said there. If you lived in the era before electricity was available, what job do you think you would have done? Yes, these are great questions. <laughs> I would have probably, because I love to write, I'd probably be typing away on some magazine or newspaper um, publication, doing some kind of writing, expressing myself in a creative way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously podcasting's out. A lot yeah. of the other things are out with no electricity. Yeah. So I would see myself maybe uh, doing what Charles Dickens did and writing for the weekly paper. That'd be fun. You know, you'd still get to produce content. It just takes a little longer to distribute, right? So, yeah. all right. All right. Last fun question here before we wrap up. Travel back in time to 11th grade. All right. And picture yourself, you're, you know, you're driving at that point, most likely. And, uh, you know, you're at at the, at the point where, Hey, you're driving by yourself. So you don't have to share the radio with anybody. So what band were you most likely playing on the car stereo in 11th grade? Yes. So for me, it would be 
Um, probably boys to men. Okay. Oh, they're from my area here. They're from Philly. Yeah, that was, um, they were the rage back then, especially in high school. So that would have been, that would have been one. Um, you ever try and impress your kids with your, your harmonies, you know, when, uh, Motown Philly comes on as, as you sing in the car with them now, or. Of course. Like I tell them about all the, you know, especially even the the 80s songs and then the early 90s. So, you know, for me, junior year would have been 93, 92, 93. So, yeah, that was that would probably be what was on the radio. Um, Christian music was just starting to to get on the radio back then. I remember. That's true. Yeah, it was starting to kind of come into its own a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, But yeah, that would be. That's a fun one. Yeah, that that's one I torture my kids with right now. Uh, you know, when it when it comes on and whenever, you know, we're so we're big Eagles fans. And so you you mm-hmm. notice like when you're watching football how they when they go to a break, uh, they always play whatever music kind of came out of that local area. So whenever it's like a an, an Eagles game, I notice, oh, boys to men will be in there and some some of the others that that kind of came out of this area. So obviously, as often as possible, I try to embarrass yeah. my children. Although they're kind of growing numb to that. So uh <laughs> did you graduate high school in 94? I did. All right, me too. Me too. We graduated same year. It was a great year to graduate apparently. Yeah. Now if you would have said cassette tape, <laughs> I would have said uh Chicago greatest hits. Oh. So. Well, that's a good one too. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Well, Jonathan, I have to tell you, it was a real privilege to have you on the show here. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value from the things that you already shared, but I'm sure that they're going to have additional questions if this is something that they're looking to pursue and to, to, to really follow up on. And so I, I know that they can find you at marketyourmessage.com, but what else can you share with them if they'd like to connect with you further? Sure. As far as the book, uh, the book's available, bookstores anywhere, and, um, but I do have a special website set up. I purchased a couple thousand copies from my publisher to give away, just asking people to pay for shipping. So mm-hmm. you can go to your message matters book.com to, uh, get a free copy of the book. Free this is the book. Yeah. Free copy, just pay for shipping. Um, and we'll get you a copy of the book out. Excellent. I'm holding it right here in my hand. So if anyone's accessing the video, here it is, Your Message Matters. So if you go to yourmessagemattersbook.com, you get a free copy. Well, that's that's very generous of you. Thanks for sharing that. Well, Jonathan, it was a real treat to be able to meet you and to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for carving out time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it was our pleasure. Have a great one. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.